ideas, density, and apartments. This is Patterns of Development. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Patterns of Development. My name is Kyle, and on this podcast, we talk about the patterns of development. What's going on in the world of urban planning, architecture, and development? What keeps happening? Do we recognize any patterns, and what can we learn from them? Our goal is to create case studies, discover examples, refine ideas that hopefully inspire you as you go along your journey as a developer, real estate agent, city staff, builder, or citizen. Following up on last week, this idea that when you build a public space for everyone, you're building it for no one. I was going to use the example of a farmer's market. If you build a farmer's market, you want to serve your vendors and make it easy for guests to arrive and shop. Then I was going to say, don't make a concert area. Don't worry about a food truck space. Don't worry about tables. Don't worry about kids' playgrounds. Don't worry about having a plaza, a water feature, nice seating, and landscaping. Because obviously, if you lose focus on that main point, helping our vendors, helping people access our vendors, you're going to get this weird space that might be great when everyone's using it, but it won't be great when only one demographic's using it. If only people are using the playground, then you're in this weird parking lot with no vendors, right? If everyone's sitting around this nice water feature, there's still an empty banshell and then this big parking lot where there's no vendors. And so we get it. But I got stuck on this idea of mixed use. Isn't the whole point of mixed use to combine all these things together into one place? For those of you who don't know, mixed use, and this is the Wikipedia definition, is a type of urban development that blends residential, commercial, cultural, institutional, or entertainment uses into one space. What I just described with my farmer's market example. The common benefits of mixed use, according to a working paper from the Lincoln Institute of Land Policy by Quin Shen and Fei Yang Shun, are number one, generate neighborhood diversity and vibrancy, a la Jane Jacobs. Number two, encourage non-automobile commuting. Number three, increase opportunity for physical activity, not just working out in the gym, but interacting with one another. Number four, enhance accessibility. If you can't drive, mixed use is more accessible by providing more density. And number five, facilitating stronger neighborhood character. This is how communities get their identity. Oh, this is the food neighborhood. Oh, that's the art hipster neighborhood, etc. All that said, and this is Kyle again, all that said, when considering public investment for public space, focus on one thing, the primary use of that space. When we're talking about private investment, build a place for businesses and people to live and mix those uses together with business. And with that, onto this week's patterns. An article in the Wall Street Journal, 10 Big Ideas to Improve Life in Small to Mid-Sized Cities. What I like about this article isn't the ideas themselves, but examples that are included. My favorite, tiny homes as homeless shelters. And I'm going to quote the article from the Wall Street Journal by Conrad Putzler. Many city governments agree that building more housing is a solution to homelessness, but apartment buildings are expensive and they usually take years to complete and are often outlawed by zoning codes that prohibit tall buildings. Some cities are looking to build tiny homes to quickly get homeless people off the streets and into permanent housing. Salt Lake City plans to build a tiny home village for residents who are chronically homeless, encouraging people who would otherwise balk at shelters or apartments to move indoors. The pilot will start off with 40 homes and potentially grow to 300 to 500 homes. The city has yet to settle on a site or a tiny home design to determine the cost. The project follows a similar initiative in Austin, Texas, that has already been home to more than 200 people. Next up, SB 9 passed in California, which essentially relaxed zoning requirements to allow more units per legal lot. 
People in favor of the bill argue that by allowing additional density, it will increase supply of housing, thus making housing more affordable in the state of California. People opposed argue that the influx of housing units will put strain on basic infrastructure and limit the city's ability to deliver what citizens expect, parking, delivery of clean water, and removal of unsanitary water. And last up, some data around apartment construction in the United States, an article in Rent Cafe's blog by Florenta Serac, noting that apartment construction in the United States tops 330,000 for the fifth straight year. And to quote the article, compared to 2020, there's only a slight 2.5% decrease in new units with apartment construction maintaining a steady pace under the circumstances, which include the pandemic developers struggle to find qualified workers, funding, permits, and sky-high cost of lumber. This is Kyle again. The article reports that Dallas-Fort Worth area has produced the most apartment units. New York took second, Phoenix third, and Houston fourth. Uh, we see the Sun Belt striking again. And with that, we will summarize this week's patterns. Number one, there is a difference between building public spaces and building private mixed-use spaces. Number two, cities should consider using tiny homes to help provide temporary shelter to their no-fixed-address communities. Number three, relaxed zoning requirements and reducing parking minimums help increase housing supply and create more affordable housing. And number four, apartment construction in the United States continues to remain strong, specifically in the Sun Belt, despite the challenges of the pandemic, the labor market, and material costs. That's all for this week, and I'll talk to you all soon. If you have any questions, thoughts, or feedback, please email me, kyle at patternsofdevelopment.com. Huge credit, huge shout out, huge thank you to Rafi Bushman, phenomenal jazz musician in London. I'm using his music as the theme for this podcast. Please go check out his new album on Spotify. It is awesome. Looking forward to next week, and I'll talk to you all soon.